3: And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
4: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My address, if you want to contact me, is askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com. Dell at l-u-i-n-c Today, we're going to discuss that part of financial freedom, which many Americans believe to be their right. In fact, uh, as I'm reading this article right here, right now, it's talking about the fact that uh, it was something that at one time everybody believed they had the right to, that almost everybody would get, and that is called retirement. In the old days, people would retire either because their family would take over their cost of living, or their job would continue to pay them a pension of some type, uh, defined benefits plan, compared to now, they've changed that to defined contribution plan. What is the difference? In the old days, you were guaranteed X amount per month to retire. You still see it in schools, school teachers, college, college professors. You still see it in government work, where they're paying these people on into the rest of their life, which is really difficult to see how that Ponzi scheme is going to continue to work. But at least for the people that have it, and I've got some family members that are both teachers and professors that are on that retirement plan type stuff, they love it. It's the greatest thing in the whole world. Because what happened? At an age, whatever that age is, they decided to retire. They could. They could literally pull up stakes. I've worked here 20 years, 25 years, whatever it is that you have to work there. And then you just pull up stakes and get paid the rest of your life. And by the way, I don't hate that. Uh, It's just what it is. It was the promise that was made, and if the long as the people who made the promise continue to provide for the promise, then that's great. Now, what about the other 95% of us that are not on a defined payment plan? Uh, We're on some kind of a savings plan, 401Ks, IRAs, or just your own plain save-away type plan. What's happening? Well, a larger and larger and larger percentage of people are unable to retire. Some people choose not to retire simply because we're healthier, longer than we used to be, and they feel they can continue to contribute and work. And other people don't because they can't retire. How much? About 71% of Americans say they can't afford to retire. Large number, huh? very large percentage. And when they say that, they can't afford to retire. It's retire by 65, I believe, is what they really mean by that question. And you ask yourself, well, why not? Well, I've read two or three articles today, so I'll just pontificate some of the stuff that I read. I might go back through and just hit these things topic by topic. But the biggest one, according to this article that I've got in front of me right now, is that people are living longer and medical costs are getting higher. And so, they run into two or three different problems. One, the cost of medical care. Now, I'm 64 and a half, gonna be 65 in a month or two, and um, I'm getting like 8,000 physical mailings a week, it seems like, it's gotta be 10 or 15 every single day of wanting me to sign up for Medicare. I don't need Medicare, I have insurance. But if you don't have insurance, you have Medicare. You can sign up for Medicare, and you can sign up for a supplement, Medicare supplement plan, to pick up what Medicare won't cover. And because of that safety net, there is some insurance there for you guys to get. But people have their entire life been put in a position where they don't pay for health care directly. They don't see it coming out of their check. They're blinded by that. And what that does to you, what that does to you is it makes you discount the value of healthcare. Number one, because you're never really sick when you're young. And number two, because you don't seem to be paying for it. You don't know, you get this stuff and maybe you contribute part of it out of your paycheck, maybe you don't. So you don't really have any value for it. Let me tell you a story. I have apartment complexes. I own apartment complexes, that's what I do for a living. And we have employees. And needless to say, many of our maintenance men are Hispanic. Many of our uh, leasing agents are Hispanic, and we've gone to them and offered them insurance plans. Said, "Look, the insurance plan costs six hundred dollars a month. We'll pay three hundred if you pay three hundred. I think we even offered to pay four hundred if they pay two hundred, something like that." You know what their answer was? Two eighty. Every single one of them said, "I don't want it." They don't want insurance. People don't value insurance when they're young. And so they never get used to buying it. It's not a part of their cost of living. So when you get older, especially if you're a labor worker, and life starts to take a toll on you, you're really kind of in trouble now. Now you're forced to continue to work. Why? Because you've never put that into your cost of living. You've never learned to pay for insurance. I was lucky. I started my retirement plan at 27, retired by the time I was 34. And at 34, I figured out I don't have insurance. And, you know, when you first quit your company, you go on COVID for a year. But then you got to go out and buy insurance. And I went out and bought insurance and just paid for insurance. That's all he did. I said, well, how did you pay for that? It's called making money. I started out with one red house, then four red houses, then I bought 10 more in a package, and I had 14, and and then I bought three fourplexes, which was added another 12, and, and on and on until I had over 100 houses. But all along the way, as I made money, I was paying for insurance because there was no insurance. Now, when I got to be 50, I ran into a situation where I had cancer. And once you have cancer, a lot of other things go wrong in your body. And all of a sudden, I'm now on 10 medications a day. It's hilarious. And because the cancer destroyed many of my bodily functions so everything when I go in for a blood test everything should be high is low and everything should be low is high that's the weird part about what happens so they give you medication to bring those things up and down and keep you alive okay so all of a sudden I couldn't get insurance but they had believe it or not insurance policies for high risk people and they were government backed and this was before Obamacare and so I got in was a little bit higher than the average insurance cost, but it was really augmented by the state of Texas, and it was called Blue Cross Blue Shield. As soon as Obamacare was created, they destroyed Blue Cross Blue Shield and went away. And now I had to get on an Obama thing. I had to get on an Obama thing to be able to buy insurance. And it cost me three times as much as Blue Cross Blue Shield and only covered about a third of what Blue Cross Blue Shield did. So what did I do? I took one of my companies and, you know, right now I'm up to 17 companies. I don't mind telling you that. I got asked that by my granddaughter the other day. How many companies do you own? I go, honey, I only own 17. I used to have more, but I'm getting old and slowing down. And she looked at me with her eyes crossed like, what? But you have to understand, I just took one of my companies and I said, okay, we're going to get insurance. And we went and got a company insurance plan. Now, could you do that? Not if you don't own any companies. Why don't you own any companies? You should own a company that does something, right? Shouldn't you own a rental house company? Or shouldn't you own one apartment company? Shouldn't you own a company that does something? Shouldn't you have additional income? There have been multiple books written out there about multiple streams of income. I think um, it might have been, uh, what was his name? I forgot his name. He went to jail, but he, he wrote a book on multiple streams of income. And then Robert Kiyosaki, I think, wrote one on multiple streams of income. A couple different people have come up with the concept of multiple streams of income. It's a, It's a very highly used term out there in society. And the concept is is that you should have more than one way to earn money in case one ever ends. So if you've got physically a job and you've got passive streams of income, if you get hurt, then you could still have your passive streams of income, right? But really, it's more valuable than that. It's more valuable because when you have multiple streams of income working for you, you're going to become wealthy much quicker. And that's an important fact. You've got to be earning more than one form of income to really get wealthy. You really can't get wealthy even off of a job. Now, I think if you had a really good job, a high-paying job, you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand a year, and you were willing to live within your means, you could probably get rich saving money from that if you invested it correctly. Uh, but it'd take forever, you know, and you'd have to have no downfalls. So today what we want to do is examine what is keeping people from retiring and what they can do to fix that. So we'll be back with the answers to your questions right after this break.
1: Call from mom.
0: Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox
2: Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today.
5: The Dana Show, weekdays from 11 to 2 on Talk 1370, The right, right Choice.
3: Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley.
4: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. I'm going over this article of why people don't retire or can't retire, basically. And uh, I want you to kind of think about it this way. Every one of these issues they bring up has been overcome by every Lifestyles member that retired. And there's thousands of members that have retired over the last 30 years. Um, but it, almost all of these come down to money. I mean, that's why do you not retire? Because you need money. So what is rule number one? Don't lose the money you have. Rule number two in my game is there must be cash flow. If there's no cash flow, then you can't retire because you need money. And they're saying that the average person out there to be able to retire needs to have eight times what their income is. So if you make $50,000 a year, you need $400,000. Uh, if you have $100,000 a year income, you need eight hundred grand. All right? Well, given that, there are a lot of problems with that as we'll go along here. But the main one is there's nowhere to put that money anymore. You used to be able to put it in high-interest-rate bonds and high-interest-rate CDs. And so even if you had eight times your money, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to throw off enough. In fact, let's just do a little math here with that. Right now, savings accounts, let's see a CD might get you a half a percent right now. So $400,000 000 times 0. .005, half a percent, that's $2,000 a year. Can you live on $2,000 a year? And if it's $100,000, can you live on $4,000 a year? The answer is obviously no. So we started here with the problem is you need money. That's the basic problem. But we're going to go through what all that problem, what other problems that one creates. So one thing is living longer. So that uh, eight times your income isn't going to make it. You can't save up a pile of money and survive. You need to create an income stream. Okay, The next one they're saying is educational costs. And uh, this this one's just, this is a political problem right now. You want to send your kid to college because you've been told the lie that the more college they have, the more money they make. It's not true. I have a son that's got a doctor's degree, or actually a nursing degree, and a degree that um, he runs um, all the electronic stuff you go to, not just x-rays, but beyond x-rays. And he's got a technician's degree to do that for you. So this is a pretty important thing this guy's doing, yet he makes less money than his sister does working in a bar. I mean, it's just, it's weird. So the college degree, you know, you think it does you some good. But in reality, towards being wealthy, it does nothing. It just gets you a job. You're paying a lot of money to learn how to get a job. That's what it comes down to. So we go on and say student debt has exploded, and college has become way, way more expensive than it used to be, and people are just loading up on it. So they're broke. I know a guy, great story. Father said, would you rather go to college or start a business? I got money to do each for you. And son said, I'd rather start a business. So they started a business. The kid made millions of dollars in the business. And then he went back to college over the internet and paid almost nothing to get a college degree. He's got the same college degree you do, paid almost nothing to get it, and he's a millionaire. And all that by age 30. And he started like at age 18. And so you ask yourself, why? Why go to college? Do it over the internet. Do it cheap. Do it at some low-cost college. Don't get into debt for the rest of your life. And the problem is it's not only getting the kids in debt, it's getting the parents in debt, too. Next one, employee benefits have withered. That's an obvious one. They're not paying for pensions anymore, and uh, what they will pay is becoming less and less. Here's the important one. Next, people don't know how to invest. They have no idea. They have no idea how to find income-producing properties. All they know is put my money in a 401k, an IRA, or some type of a, um, what's the word for, mutual fund, and let somebody else worry about it. And it's interesting because you don't realize those things don't work. (laughs) You're never going to realize it because you're not watching it. So, what I think you need to do, first of all, as we sit here and talk about this, is I think you need to start writing this all down. I keep track of every dollar I earn each month from each of my 17 businesses. I add up those profits, I put them in my spreadsheet, then I add them across, and it comes up with the total I made that month. Then that spreadsheet adds it down and gives me the total I've made so far that year. So, what you need to know is, what is your cost of living next to that? Now, your spreadsheet's real easy. Job, money. That's it. Maybe you have a job at a savings account. That's it. Or track your 401k and see if it actually made any money. But remember, if it goes up and it comes back down, you got to bring it back down. You can't say it made money. You have to bring it down and up and down and up and down and up and down, right? I don't do that with any of my investments because none of my investments go up and down and up and down and up and down. I don't believe in ping-pong ball investments. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Everything. Rule one, doesn't lose money. Rule two, has cash flow. So my spreadsheet is filled out. But your spreadsheet should have, what is my insurance cost me right now? I need to start paying attention. What would insurance cost me right now? Be aware of your financial situation because you're not. You're aware. And I was watching with our kids and our grandkids the last two days, the three days they've been here for the holiday. And they know every minute detail about every one of the 50 different Avengers. I didn't even know there were 50 Avengers. I thought there was, like, maybe five. But there's, like, tons of them. And they know every detail about their life and where they're from. And I thought, I said, what an education, a massive education of completely useless information. But they couldn't tell me how much money he had in his 401K. Couldn't tell me how much he saves each month. Couldn't tell me what his health insurance costs were inside of the package that he got from his employment. Why can they not tell you that? Because they've never looked. You need to start looking at that, writing it down. So what does your housing cost you? What does your food cost you? What does your insurance cost you? What does your automobile cost you? What does your gasoline cost you? Put it on a spreadsheet. Do it for six months. And figure out what your actual cost of living is. Don't forget your credit cards, by the way. Those are all costs that you just throwing on a little card there and paying them off blindly. But they're all there. Add your credit card costs. And I don't mean the interest on your credit card. I mean how much you spent on that credit card. and called incidentals. I found that we spend more on incidentals than we do on overhead. My wife is a lunatic incidental person. We get boxes, and we have—my granddaughter goes, why do you have eight trash cans? I said, we have eight trash cans, and they're not little trash cans. They're dumpsters, eight big 96-gallon dumpsters. And she goes, why do you have these? We have one trash can. I said, because your grandma likes to buy stuff over the Internet. Everything we buy comes in boxes. And boxes and boxes. And even when we squish those boxes down, they fill up trash cans and all the stuff she buys. And just one of the problems is we spend more money on incidentals than we do on overhead. Okay, so that's probably a good problem to have, because if we had to, we could cut back the incidentals. But the bottom line is, it's just the way it is. Next, Social Security doesn't buy much anymore. Buying power of American Social Security benefits has been declining significantly over the past two decades, says Brian Davis, co-founder of Spark Rental, a site focused on financial independence. In fact, Social Security benefits have lost 33% of their buying power since 2000, according to a 2019 Social Security loss of buying power study. Ooh. So Social Security is not strong anymore. And you think about it. You're sitting there. Well, I'm going to go ahead with this. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. Everybody and their brother's an expert. Just ask them. And I feel the same way about real estate gurus. I mean, first of all, about 70% of all the real estate gurus out there right now are members of Lifestyles Limit or have been and they're derivatives of our product. Okay, fine, you know, what is the greatest compliment? You know, somebody copying your stuff. All right, so good, fine, no big deal. But what is the reality of whether or not they're really smart, really gurus? They really know what they're talking about. And in almost every case, the reason they're out there and not within what we do is because they didn't want to make their living doing real estate. They wanted to make their living teaching real estate instead of doing real estate, or they wanted to make money in real estate by basically ripping people off. In other words, they wouldn't follow the rules to keep the people invested in the deals safe. We'll be right back with the Del Wapley Radio Show.
3: Keep up with news from across Austin and around the world. That's where I get all my news. Online
1: anytime at talk1370.com.
3: Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley.
4: Appendiments to retiring them trying to discuss the, the way I would look at them and the options that we have out there. The next one they're complaining about here is something called the gig economy. And I guess that's like a, a little part-time jobs you do here and there. And I've run into a lot of people in this gig economy at, that are what I would call contractors. And with contractors, it's either feast or famine, right? So, like, there's nothing for them to do. Or something happens, and there's everything for them to do, and they can't get it done, and they're just terrible at managing money. In many cases, not all of them, not all of them, but many of them really have a problem because when it's feast, you know, they are just blowing and going, and their riches can be. I mean, a contractor can make a lot of money when there's some hot times for them, when things are really working in their 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 direction. But man, there could be some famine days also, and it could be very difficult for them. So. You can see a lot of people that are going through their savings rapidly, especially during the pandemic when people didn't there was no work going on. And so these people that work for short periods of time or so forth um, had a lot of problems because there was no jobs for them. The second problem they experienced though is that according to this, they don't have savings accounts because there's no savings plan set up, there's no 401k, there's no IRA. Again, you should have that on your own. Even without a 401k or IRA, you should have some type of investment plan. But the most important ones, I think, was the one before that, which is said, people don't know how to invest. Even if you have a savings plan, and obviously, if you put in a 401k and IRA, you really can't control it. But even if you do have an investment plan, you have to know how to invest your money to be able to do what we do here at Lifestyles which is make a lot of money. Let's just put a cap on it. What do we do? We make a lot more money than the average person makes in their savings plans, with their savings plans. In other words, we take monies, just like everybody else does, that we've saved from some type of income-producing situation, and we invest it. But we invest it much more profitably. Now, one of the things we talking about here is how there are low bond yields and savings account yields. I'll give you an example. I had a large chunk of money. I don't know if I want to say it over the the radio. It's a large chunk of money. And it was sitting the savings accounts because I had just closed some other deals and I had some money and it was earning me about forty five thousand dollars a year by looking through savings accounts and what I'd done was I'd had it all sitting in savings accounts that were earning me half a percent or less and then I realized that there were savings accounts out there that were higher so I started looking on the internet all the time and I got up to you know half percent then three quarters of a percent then it got up to one percent then one and a half percent to two percent and I actually got savings accounts that had as much as two and a half percent type of return which is incredible right so I um, I moved all the money around in, to a bunch of different savings accounts in fact I had 17 different banks that I had all set up in and um when I started looking at that, I was making about forty, forty-five thousand dollars a month in income. And I thought, man, I was making nothing. I was making like, you know, a thousand dollars a month and now I'm making like forty, forty-five thousand dollars a month. And so all of a sudden interest rates started going back down again, and that forty went down to thirty, the thirty went down to twenty, the twenty went down to eight, nine, ten, I think it even got down to seven thousand. I said, that's it. I'm out of this game. And I went and I bought myself some more real estate. I said, I got to change that. So I took one fifth of the money that was sitting there in those savings accounts and I put it into six more real estate deals. And now I'm back to making $60,000 again. But I only took one fifth of the money. So the other four fifths of the money is still there. I took one fifth of the money and brought that amount of income from that portion of my businesses up by about fifty five thousand bucks. Now, I know those numbers are unrealistic to you, but just take whatever number that is that I made that much and cut it down by 10 or cut it down by hundred and take those numbers and see what the difference is. You might be sitting there earning fifty dollars a month in your savings account and you should be with that amount of money earning five hundred dollars a month with your savings account. That's the kind of difference you can make. It's that drastic because you don't know how to invest and because bonds And CDs are not earning a lot of money anymore. Here's an interesting one. Divorce after 50 years has increased. While overall rate of divorce in the United States has declined over the past 20 years, it's on the rise among the 50-plus demographic. Getting divorced after age 50 or 60 has a significant impact on your ability to retire, says Renee Sinez, a certified divorce financial analyst. Never even knew there were such a thing. Plans that were dependent on supporting one household with two Social Security checks, a 401k, and perhaps a pension are decimated when people divorce later in life. Add living longer to the mix, and there's simply not enough working years left to recoup the savings divided in a divorce. The result, a population will need to work longer in order to be able to retire. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you about that one. I'm not a divorce expert. I'm not a marriage expert in any way, shape, or form. I would suggest that if you're getting older, you better you better have made that decision much younger than at 50 or 60 years of age. But I guess really one of the problems is, and I've heard this from people, I've literally I've had members tell me when the husband retired, the wife was a housewife, and the husband retired and he came home and now he's home all the time, the wife goes, get him out of here. Sell him something else. Get him a, a real estate deal he needs to work in. Go get him an apartment or something. Make him work there. Do something. I don't want him around me. Another wife said laughingly, she said, you know, I said for better or worse, but I didn't say for lunch every day. <laughs> so, you know, here you are. You've lived your life for 60, 50 years. You've been married 30 years, ever since you're 20. And your kids have been with you, and you struggled to, to make ends meet, to pay for the house, your dream house you wanted, and your dream cars you wanted, and get your kids college. And now, all of a sudden, all that's over. And now it's just the two of you. And you two are not the cute little kids you were when you first met each other. You're now wrinkly old people. That, okay, the sexual fantasy's gone. You better be friends. You better like to do the same things. Most people don't think about that because they're struggling. Their whole life they're struggling just to get to retirement. And when they get to retirement, they found out, man, this person I'm spending my whole life with I don't even like. Didn't even realize it. Just married him, we got kids, and we got stuck, and we got on the little, the wheel. And we just ran the wheel for the rest of our life. Sad, but true. Reoccurring expenses have increased. From Netflix to Amazon Prime, Americans have grown to love their many conveniences and memberships. Wow, that is so true. Four or $500 a month for cable, and then Netflix, and then Amazon, then Discovery Channel, and then, um, what is the other one, Disney? I just sit there and I watch, like our kids, and then our grandkids just take it for granted. That those channels all exist, and that it's okay to belong to them. I mean, it's nothing for them to sign up for another channel, because they want it. And in this life, in this world, you want something, you get it. Because everybody else has got it, and you deserve to have it too, right? Man, overhead. That's not even counting the fact that—let's go to the next one. Homeownership has been delayed, and the next one after that, I think, is homeownership is way more expensive than it used to be. We've got a couple of our kids that are buying a house right now. They're trying to move into it. It is everything. And uh, I think they're like in their mid-30s, and it's everything. I mean, they're, they're buying an old, old, old home from a relative that sold it to them for a very fair price, so they're getting a good deal. But it's an old, old, old home, and they're renovating it, and they're spending time, all their time, all their money renovating this house. That's their dream. But you've got other two kids of ours They haven't even thought about buying a home yet. Well, one of them did think about it. The other one has no idea, no way cares about it. But, you know, even though they thought about it, it wasn't, they didn't do it. And the reason, well, that's the next one down the line is for the one that did think about it, home costs way too much. It's too large a percentage of their income. Now, remember, they've got Netflix, they've got Prime, they've got all this stuff. They've got all those conveniences they have. Even the kids have cell phones, have all that stuff. But that house cost, man, that's too big. Now, is that the right thing? In fact, they asked me, is that the right thing to do, is buy a house? I said, no. So said, you need to buy a rent house. Continue to rent because you're getting off cheap to rent that house. But go buy one to rent to somebody else. Well, I can't because they're all expensive. The ones I'd want to live in, ah, there it is. The one you want to live in is too expensive. You've got to realize there are people who don't even have as much money as you do, and they need a place to live, and you need to buy a house that you can afford to buy. The one you can't afford is the one you wouldn't live in. Buy the one you can't afford and rent it out, but do it correctly. And that's the key. You've got to do it correctly. If you don't, you'll rent it out. You'll put a bad person in it because you are a socialist, and you believe that everybody's the same, and everybody has the same morals, and everybody deserves to have the place to live, and you'll put in some wacko, and they'll destroy your home. That's what you'll do. Because that's who you are.
3: Now, more intel to build a better lifestyle from Dell Wamsley.
4: Wanting to be a self help guru, you have to learn to balance your own desires. Very early on in wanting to help people, I found that people just wouldn't listen. And I make people write in the back of their book whenever I give a seminar open up the back of the book, write this in the back of the book. It says, I will not do what Dell said to do. And then I said, whenever you fail, we'll go to the back of the book and we'll start there. With that statement, I told you I wouldn't do what you told me to do, and then we'd go back and find in the book what you didn't do. Inevitably, it's always the same thing. They don't do what I tell them to do. If they would have done what I told them to do, they would have been successful. But for some odd reason, people have it in their mind, they have to reinvent the wheel. I would suggest that some people just do it because they're arrogant, but I'm going to suggest you, there's another group of people out there that are basically failures, failures by personality trait. In other words, their personality leads them to do the same thing wrong over and over and over again, and they really just can't get out of it. We'll be right back with the Del Womsey Radio Show.
6: Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media, and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west.
3: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today.
2: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
0: As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H E R O 10 for 10% off at HERO.CO.
3: The Joe Pag Show, tonight at 8 on Talk 1370 The Right Choice. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley.
4: Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we've been covering why people can't retire, and this article goes on and on and on just to give you idea of some of the other things we talk about is that uh, salaries do not keep up with the cost of living overall cost of living is higher in general people start contributing later in life to the retirement plan and people have outdated investment strategies all right uh, credit card debt has skyrocketed uh, people make make more job changes in their past than in the past so they're moving around many older people were not can condition to save for retirement. People are unaware how much they'll need to retire. So all these things contribute to this, right? But you've got to ask yourself, what is the solution? The solution is buying income-producing properties. Now, once we get to that, get over that hump, and we realize we have to have income-producing properties, the next question is, how do we go about doing it? I had a gentleman who's a member here, he asked me a question. And there's you got to read into the question, and then I'm going to answer the question. It says, listen to your radio show all the time. And was thinking about getting some reoccurring cash flow monthly. I'm in 10 multifamily deals now and just wanted some monthly income streams. Should I get some single family homes or keep focusing on increasing my multifamily portfolio? So, this gentleman here is working really hard in his job, and I'm sure what he's decided to do, and he is a member by the way, and what he decided to do was take advantage of the ability to get into other people's deals to be a passive investor. That way, he doesn't have to think about what he's doing at all, he just dumps money into the deals. Now, his statement, and I probably should ask him this personally, but his statement is, I want more cash flow. He's in 10 multifamily deals. Well, with 10 multifamily deals, he should have cash flow. He should have quite a bit of cash flow. So, I don't know, and this is a problem, but I want to make the point either way, is if he's picked deals that are all highly value plays. In other words, we're buying them, we're renovating and there's some period of time before they actually start to cash flow. But the real gain is made on the other side when you refinance out all this profit you made, or sell and take the profit. Did he pick 10 of those kinds of deals, or some variant of that, and so he's not getting as much cash flow as he would like to have coming in? That's a possibility. That's the way I'm looking at this, right? He's got deals he doesn't believe are cash flowing. He wants more cash flow. Now, I might be totally wrong. He might be getting cash flow. be saying, I just want more cash flow. So, he then, uh, I asked him if he's a member. He said, yes. So, now I know that he has the ability to buy into these passive deals. That helped me figure that out. And then it goes on and says, um, yes, I'm a preferred member. I'm addicted to real estate. I'm working in the ER today, and I'm burned out fast. Thanks for the advice. So, what I'll go back to you and explain is this. And this is for him, and this is for you also. There's a couple different variants of investors. If you look on a continuum from far left to far right, you've got these different needs. One person on the far left needs to stay with their job, wants to stay with their job, and has a lot of money to invest, or doesn't have a lot of money to invest, but needs to invest passively. Because they just don't have the time or the energy or the willingness to go out and work to invest their capital and make it work. Now, in that type of a deal, they're going to earn a lot more than the average investment that they can go into because they're in a much higher income-producing asset. The challenge, though, is somebody is running that asset and that somebody's getting some type of an override for doing that, so a lead investor or what you might call a syndicator if you're out there in the real world, a syndicator lead investor is going to take anywhere from 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% of whatever the profit is. Not in our group. Our group, they can't take more than 20. But, you know, in our group, 5% the first deal, 10% the second deal, 20% the third, and that's the highest they can take from then on no matter how many deals they do. But there is something coming out for their efforts to put the deal together, run the deal, operate the deal, send you money, pay all the taxes, do all the work, hire all the people. Boom. If you want to grow faster and you're willing to work, we go way over to the other side of the continuum, and you either buy yourself a single-family rent house or you buy yourself a small apartment complex. And in doing so, all of the profit goes to you. Nothing's taken off the top. All the depreciation goes to you. Nothing comes off the top. And all the capital gain goes to you. Nothing comes off the top. So your money is earning 20% more than if you were in with a multifamily group. However, it's more than that. Why? Because single-family deals can be leveraged at a much higher leverage rate. And small apartments can be turned around in a much shorter period of time. So I've seen people go into a multifamily apartment, own it for one year and turn around and have made 100 200 300% returns. Unbelievable returns. Because all they had to do was Turn 10 tenants, raise the rent dollars $100, $150 a month, do that 10 times, they're done, boom, refinance or sell, and out you go. Instant gains, whereas a large deal, two or 300, 400 units, it takes you maybe two years to turn a 200, 300 tenants. Maybe two, maybe three years nowadays. Who knows? You run into the pandemic, it slows the process down, now it's three years. So, in that case, if he got in just right before the pandemic started, he got in with all giant deals that needed a lot of turnaround. And then they ran into the pandemic where we were just fighting just to succeed, not really to grow. We couldn't really raise rents while everybody wasn't paying rent. So, then he's coming to a slow period. That wouldn't have happened if he owned single-family houses. Because single-family houses, we had no problems with. Small, multifamily properties, we had no problems with. It's the big, giant ships That take a long time to turn around. Think of a ship in the sea. You can take a little motorboat and spin around circles. You take a big ship, it's going to take you a long time to turn that thing around. And so, there's the difference, my friend. If you want it fast, do it yourself. The other thing it does, it leads to you knowing how to do it, which then leads to you running into what most people say, hey, man, I can do what this guy's doing. And you see yourself that whatever this guy is doing, good job or not, and by the way, guy, gal, whatever, whoever you see is your your lead investor, and they're doing a good job. But you look at it and go, that's not that tough. I could do that. Then you go out there and you do one yourself. You learn how to do it. And then you can become a lead investor also. And then you not only make what your money earns you, you make, what, 20% of what everybody else's money earns you, which is actually a fabulous way to return, almost the fastest way you can think of to get rich. Dell Wamsley on how to live the lifestyle. Can you buy something for $25,000 and renovate it? Yes, you could. If you bought it, rehabbed it, and had 25 grand in it, all you'd have in it is equity is 25 grand. If you had the 25 grand in the first place, you'd have 25 grand. So you're not making any money on doing that because you can't get the money back out of the house unless you sell it. If you do, now you have to pay taxes on that money, so part of that money goes away. Do you think one-third is going to buy you houses in an environment where the average home in this country costs $350,000? If you bought one at an absolute steel price, which would be $100,000, you'd have to put 20% down, would be $20,000. That you can, with $20,000, go out there and buy enough houses to buy 15 houses. The answer is not during this market conditions. Remember this, guys. When we're out there doing this, this is a lifelong change. Not about a little bit of money, but about a completely different quality of life. Have a great day.